0: morning everyone. Our reading today is taken from Philippians chapter 2. There's some various verses um, from that passage um, written by Paul to the church in Philippi. And he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself, as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit.
1: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I uh, have a little sign to put up before we start. The sign reads, under construction. As part of this series on the church, we're thinking today about this image of of the building. Uh, The church as a building, as a holy temple, Um, and a growing and developing building as such. And so, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but we're actually on a construction site here. So I thought it was appropriate to get my hard hat and high-vis jacket out, get this right. Because if you remember nothing else about this morning, and that's quite possible, you might remember the guy at the front put on a hard hat and a high-vis jacket because the church is a construction site. It's where God is at work. One of the phrases from the passage that Morag just read is, "'For we are God's workmanship.'" This is it. The construction of God is at work. So we're going to explore this image for a little while this morning. So what, what is it about the temple image that Paul um, was particularly interested in when he chose this, this concept, this idea? Because as Emma's already talked about this morning, we're not... A building are we the church is not a building I'm sure many of you have had conversations in different circumstances where you've had to explain no the church isn't the building the church is the people and yet we have this image of the church as a building a temple well the big issue for the church in Ephesus or one of the big issues they had was that they had sort of a division between the people. They had, um, they were all people obviously who were followers of Jesus, but some were from the Jewish background and traditions, and some were Gentiles. And they have very different perspectives on how things should be now that they were followers of Jesus. And of course, this is the early church. They didn't have all the New Testament that we've got to reference, and they were trying to work it out, trying to discover how they could be the growing church of God in the place where they were, with these differences between them. And Paul, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, addresses each of these groups specifically. So the beginning verses that were read to us just now, from chapter 2, verses um, verses uh, 8 through to 10, these are, these are really directed to the Jewish element, where they had this sense of, you know, they had to obey the law. That, that was the way they'd been brought up. And Paul says, no, it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. So no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. So even the good works we do, God has prepared them for us. You can't boast about those. And of course, these Jews, they had this this history, didn't they? Where they'd been brought up as um, the people of God who had a duty to be separate and holy. They had their own promised land. Within the promised land, they had Jerusalem. Within Jerusalem, they had the temple, the holy place. And they, they had all that history behind them. And they saw things with that history. And then you compare that to the Gentile group that were there, who had none of that. And Paul says to that group in chapter 2, and these aren't verses we read, but they're They're within the chapter. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So Paul's trying to bring the two together. The Jewish people saying, look, it's by grace you've been saved through Jesus. And to the Gentiles, again, through Jesus, you who are far away have been brought together. And so he wants to have that unity of thinking. And so what he does is he creates this image of a new temple, something new that God is building. And very specifically, that would have, been in contrast to the old temple that the Jewish people um, saw previously as the central point of their worship. And Paul's taking it, drawing it out and saying, no, there's a new temple here. The new temple is these people who you are with, all of them Jews and Gentiles. And to to the Gentiles who had no previous temple, he's saying, look, here is something new that God is building, this is new, and so the image is about unity, it's about unity, so I have another sign, Um, but because I need some help on this, someone tall, I was thinking Roy, I know Roy, you're here, are you somewhere, Roy, you're tall, would you mind coming and helping me, Uh, as you're working on the construction site, I'm going to Pass over the hard hat and high vis jacket. Okay. Um, I've got some equipment here. Have you handled this before? This sort of equipment? I'm not qualified for things like that. There, there is a serrated edge, so don't turn your back on it. Could you put this sign up on this pillar? Just sell it tape it up. Is that okay? Thank you. Because unity is a, is a key element, a pillar of this new church that God is building in this place. It's interesting when Paul talks about um, the church as a temple and he starts imagining what it's like. What he does, he talks about a foundation. And he could have talked about a foundation of the Old Testament and, and, you know, the Jewish history. But he actually chooses to talk about a foundation of the apostles and prophets. So the apostles would be the disciples who would become now the apostles. And prophets, he wasn't talking about the Old Testament prophets. He was talking about the prophets of the new church who were, uh, were speaking out the words of God At that time. So the foundation of the church is what is new, what God is doing now. Thank you, Roy. Uh, Don't go far. And I I take a seat there and I'll I'll need you again. Thank you. So unity is a, you know, it's a very positive thing. I, I I really wanted to express how important and not just important, how precious unity is. That David actually, uh, in the Old Testament, wrote a psalm about unity. Uh, I'll just have a look at it. Psalm 133. He says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Then he gets into this image, which it's a bit male-orientated. I mean, he's already started with brothers in unity, hasn't he? But, uh, in fact, it more specifically, it's bearded males orientated. So it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. I've lost him at this point, to be honest. But I think what he's saying is there's something very refreshing and, and new. The, the aroma, the, the, the smell. I play tennis from time to time, and I can get pretty sweaty and unpleasant. Any Wimbledon watchers? This week, yes, they are incredible, aren't they, the way they do that. And every now and again, they just go off for a little break, don't they? Change of shirt <laughs> or afterwards. And that what well, we all know, don't we? A sense a shower, perhaps a little, a little perfumed uh, around, around the place, and you feel refreshed, don't you? That's what David is getting at with this idea of unity. Unity is refreshing. If we as a community can express unity together, there is a freshness uh, and and, and a pleasant aroma about the place. But it's all very well to talk about it, isn't it? How do we actually do it? Well, there are some areas of unity that are simply a matter of putting priorities in place. Let me give you an example. Anybody here would say they were supporters of Aston Villa, There's only... Oh, very few, very few. Nobody's... Birmingham City? Even less. Neither of the above? Yeah, that's most of you, yeah. But, you know, football is an example of where people can have different allegiances. But when we come together as a church, that really doesn't matter, doesn't it? You you know, Roy, you will speak to some of the Aston Villa supporters occasionally. No. (laughs) No. Okay. Yeah, but we put those things aside because those are less important than the things that that unite us in the church, don't we? But that only takes us so far, doesn't it? That sense of yeah, these are the important things; these are what unite us. What happens if we have different opinions about the things that are important, not just the things that are less important? How do we then express unity in the church? Well, I think Paul gives us a bit more of an answer here because he doesn't just talk about the foundations of the apostles and prophets. He then talks about Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So, Roy, another sign. So, this idea of a cornerstone is a stone that is set in the corner. So, I thought maybe we could put it here. This is a, a sort of corner area. Yeah? You happy with that? Okay, thank you. And the idea of a cornerstone, of course, um, was that if you were building a a, a construction out of stones that that are gathered from different places, in those days you wouldn't have the regularity of construction work. So you'd be picking stones from different places and, and trying to put them together. So it was really important when you started that you got a true and tested stone. A, a stone that was um, straight uh, and strong that you could put in the corner of your building and that would be your starting point. And then you knew that if you, if you kept in line with that cornerstone, then you would build a straight wall. And Paul says to, his, to, his, to the church, he says, your cornerstone is Jesus. It's Jesus you need to be aligned to as you are building this place, the true and tested stone from which to build. uh, This image is not something that was new to Paul. Uh, He was referring back to one of the prophets, Isaiah, who thousands of years earlier had talked about this and he says in Isaiah 28, "This is what the sovereign Lord says: See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. Who will never? Sorry, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plumb line." So I love the fact that we, you come across these Old Testament um, sections that, that sort of talk about Jesus, but in a coded way. It's not, it doesn't talk about Jesus by name. But now we can see that what Isaiah was talking about was this Jesus who would be the cornerstone of God's workmanship in the new church. And there it is embedded in this ancient prophecy a true and untested stone. The one who trusts in him will never be dismayed. And I also love the fact that Isaiah talks about the measuring line and the plumb line, and those things are justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. Well, justice is about how we live. And righteousness also is about right living, it's this idea that there is, there is a good way to live. And justice and righteousness are the measures that we must use when we compare ourselves to Jesus. Is the way we live, is the way the, that we interact within the church, outside of the church too, does it measure up to Jesus? That's the measure against which we're called to unity. Because if we do measure up to Jesus, then we will be united. Now, that doesn't mean that we still always agree, even on the important things that of our faith. But it seems to me that if you've got a cornerstone, you're building a wall in two, sometimes in two directions, aren't you? One way and the other. The stone's in the corner, you're building two walls. But if both walls are aligned to the cornerstone, it is still a strong and good building. And it may be that maybe that, that sometimes when we're thinking about things that we don't always agree. one of us is, is taking this line, one of us is taking that line. But there is, still can be unity if we align ourselves in the way that we behave to Jesus and His grace and love within the church. Paul gives a very good example of that in a, in a different letter, where he's, the, the church issue for them in this, this, uh, this other example was whether they should eat food that had been offered to idols, because that was in the market. You could buy meat that had been previously offered to idols. And some of the church were saying, no, no, that's, that's definitely wrong. And some of the church were saying, it's fine, because you know idols, they're not real, and you know, I, I'm thankful to God for everything that he gives me. So as long as I give thanks for it, it's good. They were taking different views. And it's interesting how Paul addresses them and says, I understand that those of you who take this line who say, no, no, we shouldn't eat that meat. You're doing it out of honor to God because you want to live right before God. But at the same time, those of you who are taking this line, you too are actually doing it out of a sense of thankfulness to God. Both of you are managing to align yourself in the way that you behave to what you believe God would have you do. And so it is possible still to have unity by aligning ourselves with Jesus, even if we don't agree. One more thing I just wanted to draw out of this passage in Ephesus. And that is... Um, Another little phrase from Paul's description of the church. After he's talked about the foundations and the cornerstone, he says this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And it's actually the three words... Are being built that I want to draw out. You too. He's talking to the church, but I think we can apply it to ourselves. You too are being built. Not, not you've you've been built, it's job done, everything's sorted. And not God will build a church in the future. No, we are in the present, and God is in the process of building us. We are under construction. So one more sign for you, Roy. It's lunchtime, lunchtime. brilliant. You can have a tea break after this. So work in progress. If you could stick that on the other pillar, that would be helpful, thank you. Yes, we are a work in progress. We are not perfect by any means. Of course we're not. We're made up of individuals who are not perfect either. They say don't you if you find the perfect church don't join it because you'd spoil it. We are a group of imperfect individuals who've come together to share life and share faith and try and work through it out work it out together. But we have God amongst us who is building us who is working on us. And this image of God building his church I mean, I'm hopeless when it comes to things like building. Um, I think that the most I've managed to construct in my garden would be a sort of, a sort of a wall about that, that big, just made of stones stacked on each other. I'm hopeless when it comes to it. But imagine if you were trying to build with what Peter, in one of his letters, calls living stones, Peter looks at a similar image, and I'm not going to say much about it because Amanda's going to speak on that in a couple of weeks. But he uses the phrase that we are like living stones. Imagine building with stones that kept moving about. Well, that's what it's like for God trying to build his church because we're always moving around. And that's why we have to keep coming back and aligning ourselves and making sure that we're aligned with the cornerstone. We are called to unity by alignment to Jesus our cornerstone and we are an ongoing work in progress. That's the image that Paul is presenting in Ephesus and that we are considering today for ourselves. And there are different ways that we can help achieve this over time. And one of them is that the prayer day, which has always been referred to in the prayers earlier. On Wednesday this week, we have a prayer day for the church. An opportunity for people to come to the church or pray at home or wherever you are. And together, seek, well, to give thanks, first of all, to God for what He's doing, to bring our concerns Yes, but also to seek his will for what we should be doing and change, what should be changing within, within this church as God builds us together. But actually coming together and doing it together and, and having that sense of purpose, that's part of this expression of, of unity or working together. So I would encourage you, if you can, to come and spend some time in prayer and think What is it that God is doing in this place at this time? Particularly as we go through this transition, change of ministers. What is it that God has in mind for this church? And why? what is the purpose of all this? Well, Paul ends up by talking about being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. I love that that image. That this church, these people, the people that are so beautifully illustrated here, are the place where God dwells by His Spirit. The Spirit of God moves amongst His people. And it's a building project which is worth being involved and invested in. Thank you.